Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying together the life of Christ, and we're at the point where Jesus appears to his own hometown in Nazareth, and he begins to talk to them and reveal to him that, uh, that he is the Messiah. And uh, we got to the place to where the people of Nazareth, they were listening to the words of Jesus, and they were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And then they looked at Jesus from the outside, not from the inside. They didn't take him at his word. They looked at him and said, this is the carpenter's son. Who does he think he is? And see, and this is where familiarity breeds contempt. This is where we have to look past the outside and look to the inside of the individual. But before we we start, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, help us to see Jesus. Reveal to us our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing that's in your word, Father. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. And so Jesus says to this, he says, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. This is found in uh, Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 23. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. See, they're looking at Jesus as some kind of a magician, not truly as the Messiah. So they want to see something to prove. And that's not faith. Amen. If you, if you and I are wanting God to do something so that then we'll believe it'll never happen because that's not how we approach him. We have to approach him in faith, believing that what God said he will do, he will do. Amen. Praise God. And that's not what the people of Nazareth were doing. They wanted Jesus to prove himself by some some miracle or by some work, and then they would believe in him. But even then, they won't. Jesus has already done that. Uh, The works that he did in Capernaum, the works he did in Judea, turning the water into wine at Cana. The people in Nazareth knew all these things, but yet they would not believe. And that's the part of unbelief that brings God's judgment. Amen. Now, notice what Jesus says to these. And this is by way, this is not to incite a riot, but this is to locate people. See, in order for us to have a revelation of the love of God and the gospel of Jesus, we first have to have a confrontation. That's the gospel's intent, to confront us, and that's the Holy Spirit's ministry, to reprove us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So there has to be a confrontation concerning our selfishness and our sin where God locates us where we are. And I said it before and I'll say it again. We have to come to a place where we realize that we're a nobody and look to God to make us a somebody. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to make us and receive us as sons and daughters of God. Amen. And so in verse 24, he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. 
Amen. So what is Jesus addressing? He's addressing their lack of knowledge. And the only way that it's going to be uh, cured is through truth. Speaking the truth in love is the only way that we'll be able to grow up in the things of God. Amen. And of course, you know, Samuel said this to Saul. He says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So this is the kind of unbelief that God resists. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, look at the reaction of the people in Nazareth that were in the synagogue at that time. And all in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. Notice that, filled with rage. Not only did not they not believe what Jesus had said, they were willing to punish him because he addressed, he spoke to their heart. Amen. And they didn't like it. <clears throat> and notice, they rose up and cast him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill in which their city had been built in order to throw him off the cliff. But look at verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went his way. How, was, how did he do that? Did he fight them off? Did he just disappear? No. He went his way. And what does that mean? He just went ahead and turned around and just walked through the midst of them. They couldn't touch him. Why? Because he had the power to give his life. He had the power to take his life back again. No man could touch him until Jesus was ready to give himself as an offering for sin. See, there was no preemptive when it comes to redemption. God, through Jesus, did exactly what he was sent to do, and no man could subvert it. No man could prevent it. Amen. Passing through is an aorist active participle, the I-N-G participle. Passing through them. He just simply just walked right through the midst of them and just left them there. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But now the sad part is that he went his way. And what that means to me is that he left Nazareth and never to go back. And there's so many in the world today. You may be listening to this broadcast and this may be you. You have rejected Christ. You have rejected Christ. You have rejected him and you intend to reject him in the future and perfectly willing to send away your day of grace. Well, if you do that and Christ leaves, he'll never return. What an awful, awful, awful position to place yourself in. Listen to Jesus. Listen to his word. Respond to what he's willing to do for you. Amen. And then, of course, verse 31 says, And he came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And, of course, Matthew records, And leaving, Nathrim, uh, leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And notice that Matthew records the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Notice that, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And to those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned. Jesus is the light of life. 
And if you're listening to this broadcast today, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life. You're in darkness. And the only way that that darkness can be removed is through the light of life. And that's in Jesus. Amen. So we see here that Jesus moves his ministry from Nazareth to Capernaum. And that's so true. I mean, every minister that begins in the ministry should begin his ministry in his own hometown where people know him. That's what Jesus did. Unfortunately, the the people of Nazareth rejected him. Well, when Paul and Barnabas, actually Barnabas and Saul, who came to be known as Paul, when they began their first missionary journey, the first place they went was to Cyprus. And Cyprus was the place where Barnabas was born. And so Barnabas had friends there. He had contacts there. And that's where they began their ministry. And that's so true today. So if you're thinking about entering into the ministry, begin in your own hometown. Begin there. Praise God. Amen. And then God will promote you. He'll direct you. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we all begin in what is familiar to us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Unfortunately, his own hometown, the people didn't believe him. This is uh, Mark's record. I want to read it to you. And he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From when has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Notice what they're saying. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. In other words, this word offended comes from the Greek word skandalizo. And it means to be offended. It means to be indignant. It means to disapprove of. See, they rejected him. They saw him only as the carpenter's son. They didn't see beyond that. Like so many in the world today, they recognize Jesus. Well, he may have, uh, you know, he may have lived, but that's all they see. They don't see Jesus. Oh, I tell you, like those Greeks, but we would see Jesus. Praise God. I tell you, if we'll just ask God to open up our eyes, he'll show us things that we never knew were possible. But notice it says in verse five, and he could there do no mighty work. Doesn't say he wouldn't do it. It says he couldn't do it. Why? Because of their unbelief. And he says that in verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. He left there to go to other places to preach. Praise God. And this is exactly what James says. He says, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Well, this is, this is James. Hallelujah. This is the Lord's brother. And he's saying the very thing that he was guilty of before he came to the Lord Jesus after his resurrection from the dead. So he knows by experience what he's talking about. 
So if we want a greater revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to approach him by faith. We're going to have to accept his word as truth. And we're going to have to do just like the nobleman did concerning his his son that was almost dead. And he believed the word that Jesus spoke and he went his way. Amen. Just like your son and your daughter, when he comes asking you for something and you say, oh, yeah, yep, we'll do it. They believe that and they go their way. Many years ago, my son, he's a, he's a child, and he came to me one day. This is when we were in Bible school. And he asked me, he said, I need a new pair of shoes. And I said, well, son, I don't have the money to buy you a new pair of shoes, but we're going to pray. We're going to agree in the name of Jesus that that money will come in. And that's exactly what we did. Well, the very day that we prayed, God moved on somebody to write us a donation and they sent it by mail. And it got to us three days later. And I went and I showed my son that check. And I said, son, do you remember when we prayed for the Lord provide money for you to get a new pair of shoes? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, look here. Here's the check that we got in the mail for your new pair of shoes. See? And faith went right into him. I said, I was looking at him. Faith went right into him. Praise God. Amen. I tell you, our God is a miracle worker, but we're going to have to approach him by faith. We can't do it by what we see or what we hear or what we feel. We've got to do it by faith. Faith is of the heart. It's not of the head. Praise God. So now in Luke chapter 5, we have the record of those that are following Jesus and how they came. Now, one thing we need to understand that uh, that these men uh, living in Capernaum, they knew of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. No doubt that they've heard him teach. They've heard him preach. Every Jewish man wanted a rabbi that they could follow. And so they saw Jesus, praise God, and they accepted him as their rabbi and they wanted to follow him. Let's go ahead and listen to this. Let's read this. Luke chapter five, beginning in verse one. Now, it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, notice that, Master, Teacher, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but... At your bidding, I will lay down the nets. See, I tell you, that just thrills my heart. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat, that was James and John, for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Can you imagine the catch of fish? If, if you have ever seen a scale of a fishing boat in Galilee, this is absolutely amazing. But when Simon Peter saw that, notice that. Notice how the work of God humbles a heart that's willing to believe. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, why would Peter say something like that? Well, because he had doubts. 
just like you and I have doubts. Just like that man that said, and we're going to read about this in a little while, the man that said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's exactly what was going on in Peter. He wanted to believe, but uh, but there was some unbelief. He wasn't quite sure, but now he knows. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. See, that's part of why Jesus, uh, Peter came to Jesus. He fell down at his feet. He said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Lord, I'm unworthy to stand in your presence. And that humbled heart of Peter. Jesus said to him, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their nets to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. Hallelujah. That's faith. When you're willing to leave everything to follow Jesus. Praise God. What a tremendous testimony that is. So here we have, we have Andrew and Peter. We have James and John. And we have the record of how they came to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so here we have, we have Jesus. He performs a miracle that no other man could do. And he does it as a sign both to meet their need and to show him, show each and every one of them. Amen. Follow me and I'll take care of you. Is that your heart today? You're following Jesus and you have this confidence in him. Amen. That no matter what's going on around you, you know that God is going to take care of you. Think about it. Think about where you are today. Think about where the Lord has brought you. Amen. You haven't skipped any meals. You may not be living exactly where you want and desire to live. But I tell you one thing, God has taken care of you. You got a roof over your head. You got food that you can eat. You have a family that's at rest and peace. God has brought you through. He's protected you. He's provided for you. And he did it once and he'll do it again. Praise God. So when Jesus does something miraculous on our behalf, that miracle should humble us. Just like that miracle of the fish that Peter had caught humbled him. Praise God. God resists the proud. What does he do? But he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. Praise God. So here we are. We're in the ministry of Jesus. We're at Capernaum. And we see here that Jesus now, he's going to cast out a demon during a church service, during a worship service, praise God. That's where these things should happen, shouldn't they? They should happen in the church and should happen outside the church too. So Jesus began his, his uh, Galilean ministry in the hometown of Nazareth. And uh, we've seen how that uh, the people of Nazareth rejected him. But we see the things that he's doing in the region of Galilee. We saw this great miracle of the fish. Amen. And so we're going to follow uh, Mark's record. Notice it says here, And when they, when they went into Capernaum, immediately on the Sabbath day, he entered in the synagogue to, and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching. Notice that the Jesus is going in and out of the different villages. Okay. But his chief operation center is in Capernaum. 
And they were all amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Teaching with authority. Let me tell you something. Preaching's good. I love preaching. But teaching is just as anointed as preaching is. And I guarantee you, teaching will will teach you and you'll learn more. Amen. Just sitting down and listening to good teaching of the Word of God. Amen. Now, the Greek here, authority, teaching with authority, the Greek word here for authority is exousion. Actually, it's the accusative case, and it's exousion. And it means the right of command or the power of command. Jesus had the right and the power of command. That's his lordship. That's him exercising authority as the Lord of lords. And Jesus is the Lord of the kingdom of God. He received that authority from the Father. He's operating as the Son of God, but also as the Son of Man. And the Holy Spirit's been given to him without measure. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, verse 33, Mark records this. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Notice, he cried out. What have we to do with you? Notice that. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So the spirits in this man are crying out in fear. They don't want to leave, but they recognize power. They recognize authority. That's why the devil recognizes power and authority in you. When you're walking... In the righteousness of God, and there's no sin in your life, amen, the devil recognizes authority in you, the same authority that was in Jesus. You have a measure of it. I have a measure of it. And all of us working together increase that measure, praise God. That's why the anointing of the Holy Spirit in church services that is activated by faith in the people is much greater than individually. Amen. (laughs) And notice that the demons are crying out, What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, You be quiet and come out of him. And the spirits, throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice, come out of him. See, the unclean spirit is the one that had the authority, but he invited other spirits in. They were all living inside this man. They were all seeking rest, and they find rest in individuals. I tell you, that's a horrible thing. Can you imagine people being possessed by the devil? They find rest, but they... But the individual is in total chaos. Notice that throwing him into convulsions. It's the great word sparoxon. It's like an epileptic fit. You can imagine what that man was doing. I mean, contortions. Uh, We had a man years ago when church service had an epileptic fit. That's a terrible thing. But the spirit came out. 
And notice it says, and they were all amazed. And they were all amazed so that they debated among themselves. They debated among themselves. What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. I tell you, folks, miracles are for one purpose. And that's to draw people to Jesus to hear the gospel. Amen. Praise God. Signs and wonders and miracles. They need to be in the church today. And we need to be praying. We need to be praying for these miracles to be in our services today. People need to experience the power of God. Amen. And then verse 28 says, and we'll have to end right here. And immediately, notice that, and immediately the news about him went out everywhere into all the surrounding districts of Galilee. Well, Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. The light set on a hill can't be hid. Jesus is bringing the light. He's bringing the light into the area of Galilee. And I tell you, he is preaching and Capernaum will never be the same again. Cana of Galilee would never be the same again. Even Nazareth would never be the same again. Wherever God speaks, the light goes forth and dispels the darkness. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost and whom the God of this world has blinded their minds through unbelief, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them and that they get saved. Darkness can only dispel light when the switch is off. But as soon as the switch is turned on, light dispels the darkness. Amen. And Jesus said himself, he says, I am the light of the world. But he turned around to his disciples and he said, you're the light of the world. The same light that was in Jesus is the same light that's in you and me. Praise God. And God wants us to be bearers of the light. And that's what the church has been doing for the last 2000 years. God bless every missionary that leaves home, that leaves family, that leaves income, that leaves careers and goes into another area of the world and preaches the light of the gospel of the glory of God. I say God bless to every man and every woman that has done that. Praise God. God bless every pastor that goes into an area and starts a church. God bless every preacher and every evangelist that goes into an area to preach the gospel. The more of us that are preaching, the more of us are going to get, the more of the people are going to get saved. The more the light. What does this country need today? We need the light of the glory of God. The light of the gospel of the glory of God. And we can't shut up. And we can't allow people to shut us up. We need to continue to preach the word of God. That's the thing that's going to save this nation. The glorious gospel, not the media, not government. The gospel. The gospel. Churches are shutting their mouths and shutting their doors today. And I'm saying, no, we don't shut our mouths. We cry out the more, and we certainly don't shut our doors. We keep them open, praise God. And we continue to preach the word of God. That's what's going to change the hearts and the minds of, the, of these people, the people in our country who are walking in darkness. Amen. 
Jesus said, A light set upon a hill cannot be hid. Let's be lights of the gospel into this darkness world. Amen? Father, we bless you. We thank you for your word today. Now, Lord, magnify the word in our hearts and minds. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.